Hello and welcome to the Airline Business Podcast, discussing key news and trends in the global airline sector. This time, it's one step forwards and another one back for airlines as their attempts to restore services are hit by quarantines and more spikes than the pandemic, prompting most in the industry to brace for an even longer wait for a return to normality. My name's Graham Dunn, and joining me as ever is my airline business colleague, Lewis Harper. Hi, Graham. How are you? Yes, struggling through this period of the new norm or the temporary norm. I'm not quite sure what we're in. Uh, this has been really a really testing period for, for airlines over the past few months or so, I guess. Yeah, it was certainly airlines will be hoping that obviously this last results season um, isn't the new normal because it, it obviously reflected the period... Um, April to June, the, the, the second quarter of, of the year, where where we saw clearly in many, in most cases, that airlines, particularly in, in April and May, had their fleets largely grounded, so they weren't um, taking in in revenue um, for, for even for forward bookings at that time because we were obviously in a very bleak position in a, a lot of markets. Um, so, yeah, we've gone into the, the, the results season over the last few weeks, and, you know, they were as bleak as, as we thought they'd be. It's kind of the discussion rarely goes beyond, well, they weren't quite as bad maybe as we expected. Um, a lot of it's been about cash burn, about seeing how well airlines have coped with with keeping their costs under control while having no revenue come in. And, you know, in some cases they've, they've done better than others, but, but it is a pretty bleak picture overall, really. It serves as a reminder of the scale of the of the losses, which is kind of easy to lose sight of when you're when, when you're in the middle of the crisis, and and also because you know large sums of, of money had already been mentioned. But you know we've been we've been tracking the results over this period. We've also been working on our our annual financial uh, rankings review that we do of the previous year, which of course is a slightly you know almost moot moot point of how much money airlines made last year, which. You know, out of the top hundred, top hundred airline groups, that'll be around twenty-four billion uh, US dollars that the leading carriers uh, would have made, and that obviously has been uh, wiped out by um, by this one quarter alone, comfortably wiped out. So it's so it's an absolutely huge, huge impact. And I think um, you know what really hit home for me is is the scale to which revenues have been have been here. I mean, it's obviously a kind of no-brainer if you're not flying any passenger flights you're not going to be bringing any revenue there but when you see the levels of revenues that um you know the majority of carriers have got there which are down you know 80 90 percent in cases you know it's it, it's absolutely huge and you know just about every airline uh, there are some exceptions especially those who have, that have done well with, within cargo markets but just about every airline has has lost more money than they were able to to generate, which means, um, if I got my maths right, that that their costs are at least double. You know, for most mm-hmm. airlines, their costs were at least double what their um, the revenues they brought in during that that quarter, which is you know not a sustainable way forward. No, and obviously um, during that period, a lot of airlines were kind of scrambling to, with that in mind, were scrambling to get their costs down, and um, it's worth bearing in mind that in some cases their costs will have been helped by um, a government intervention, for example, whether it's a furlough scheme like in the UK, whether it's the, the CARE Act like in, in the US. So 
you know, the, for many eyes, this could have been bleaker. I mean, the, there has been a, a level of help, but obviously the flip side of that is that help is is ebbing away as we go later into the year. And um, and even though we're seeing an uptick in, in revenue um, into the third quarter, which we'll talk about in a bit, which isn't maybe quite as as, as positive as as we'd hoped, um, there are other considerations, you know, that, that some of that, the safety net um, falls away as we go later into the year but yeah it, it really is the story of um of that cash burn and and as you say you look down the list of what revenues were versus um for a year ago so do look at delta for example uh, during the quarter revenue one below 1.5 billion whereas in 2019 period is 12 more than 12.5 so as you say across the board you're kind of looking at revenue 10 20 percent maybe uh, uh, of of the level seen last year um, cargo is an interesting one because the, there's a weird dynamic in that market where even though demand overall has has fallen, there's still been a capacity crunch because because um, particularly during that period where where there would normally be so much belly capacity in passenger aircraft um, that that wasn't flying, and we kind of created this this um, mismatch between capacity and demand which um, has, has, has helped some carriers. So we've, we've talked about carriers like Etihad, for example, who have, have been deploying, um, deploying their passenger aircraft on, onto um, cargo routes. Uh, Qatar, their near neighbours, have talked a lot about that as well, as have several other airlines. In many cases, that's kind of tinkering around the edges. We're not talking about, you know, clawing back much of that lost passenger revenue. And obviously, if you're flying a passenger aircraft with only cargo, there's only so far that can take you. But with low fuel prices and things like that, it's certainly been a factor. And there's a slight anomaly as well with the Korean carriers, the Korean Air, we you've looked at as well, haven't you, which, which did surprisingly well during the, the quarter. Yes, yeah, so slightly. I, no sooner had I written an article saying that every airline in the, in the world had lost uh, to report so far money, uh, Green, Green immediately reported a profitable quarter, which which is sort uh, sort of extraordinary. And and we've seen one or two other carriers in the region, the Taiwanese op- operators as well, where you know where they really have thrown themselves into that freight world. They're already big. Green's already a big uh, freight operator. Um, you know, one of the biggest operators in the world, uh, and certainly in relation to maybe in relation to its passenger business. So. And that, you know they they have taken sort of major major steps and continue to take those steps in in sort of serving that that cargo market. I think there's one or two other potential factors there, especially with Korea. I think there's a um, a, a relatively strong and sizable um, domestic market, and that's obviously going to be you know when we looked when we look at um, traffic numbers across airports, for example, what we've seen is a number of the airports that have are, are ranking highly in that second quarter have been those in you know in places like uh, Russia or, or Turkey and, and even Norway which ha- has um, you know a relatively significant domestic market so you know and I think that certainly was at play for in, in South Korea as well so there are some there are some outliers outliers there but it, it's a pl- pretty bleak picture and you know, I think for, for airlines, the messaging is, is, is really quite challenging. They are having to, you know, continue to, to flag, uh, you know, high levels of losses, uh, even, even with a pickup in the passenger business or a slight return in the passenger business. That is financial fortunes are not going to change very quickly. 
So they are having to implement restructuring, they're having to seek support measures, all the while whilst they're trying to encourage people that um, that it's time to, to come back and, that, and you know, they're putting messages out there that they're raising capacity, adding more capacity out there, which would traditionally be a more positive message, but mm. um, uh, it, it's probably less so uh, during this period. Yeah, it's a very delicate balancing act, really, because like you say, the carriers, they're trying to right-size for what I guess they're looking at going into 2021. But at the same time, we often talk about in the airline industry how it can be so vulnerable to factors outside its control. I mean, this is kind of like the ultimate example, really, where, where you know, talking from Europe, where we just see, it feels like every day there's a new, uh, a government will, will make moves to, to cut off markets, um, you know, indirectly through, um, quarantine measures or, or advice not to travel in some cases. Um, so, so, and I think a theme that is developing um, clearly as, as airlines come out of that bleak second quarter and uh, kind of heading towards the end of the, the um, or the middle of the, 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 the third quarter is that things aren't really looking as, as positive as, as we'd hoped. You know, there was kind of a, you know, that the feeling in June was that oh finally we can we're flying again in many cases, we're we're adding capacity. We're hoping that in the northern hemisphere, for example, that we'd get at least part of that absolutely crucial summer season. I mean, as you've said, the the second quarter is traditionally really important for carriers, um, because you know, many of them, you know, need to make their money during the the the, the warmer months of the year where there'll be uh, you know, much more demand for, for travel across the board. And you know, losing that second quarter is was bad enough. But unfortunately, now we're, we're seeing a situation where, in in the third quarter, things aren't aren't quite as positive as we'd hoped, um, and that that is very concerning. Um, you know, the Ryanair have cut you know twenty percent of capacity and planned capacity in September and October, um, as an example. So obviously, one of Europe's biggest carriers there, you know, reflecting a, a new kind of reality that that's emerging. So. We knew the winter would be challenging, and um, uh, you know it, it's it's looking even even more so now. And uh, you know those decisions trying to right size the businesses through job cuts, keeping fleets, uh, getting you know fleet sizes down, or or deferring new aircraft are all um, are all uh, very you know based on assumptions that perhaps in many cases are already slightly out of date. So um, so yeah, it's it's tough. You know there are as you talked about some areas where there is a you know, a bit more light at the end of the tunnel, but but it's certainly um, certainly proven to be very challenging at the moment. And that sort of slower slower pickup and recovery has, I think, sort of um, not not only dented confidence of of, uh, of airlines of the uh, rebound for this year, but actually, um, you know, I'm, we're seeing a more a more conservative outlook. I think as to as to when passenger markets might might return to the to the highs they were in in 2019. Yeah, so IATA again um, recently revised its forecast for that. So we're now looking at, um, they reckon that the overall um, uh, demand will be back in in 2024 rather than 2023. Um, the key theme that's emerging, we've touched on before, is clearly that international long-haul travel is, is going to be the slowest to return. And again, I think that's an area where a lot of the uncertainty um, exists as well around corporate travel because of the the kind of cultural change we may 
be seeing where people have become more used to to working uh, remotely and, um, and and not necessarily you know, interacting without without travel. It's, it's all as with so many of these forecasts, we we can't be sure how that will play out, but but it it seems a reasonable assumption that businesses might not be so keen to to assign such big budgets to that type of travel, and um, particularly um, yeah, even more so when we're still in the middle of a of a pandemic. So um, so yeah, that that the. That the international travel will be the slowest to come back, but yeah, that that kind of longer comeback is um, is very much now on the cards. I think, um, and you know, it's baked in to an extent because you know the, the industry is has been right sizing to this new demand scenario. So even under the best case scenario, there isn't going to be the capacity in the market going into twenty twenty one to get back to twenty nineteen levels anyway, because we're you know airlines are smaller. And they're expecting that demand to be down for some time. Um, and yeah, and, and another key theme, obviously, we talk about international slow. What we, I ask to continue to talk about is domestic markets are are where the the, the comebacks are, are happening more strongly. Um, um, and you touched on Asia, so we Korea is is one market. Obviously, China. Um, until relatively recently, we um, they. I also mentioned that Vietnam, for example, its domestic market was was virtually at 2019 levels. Obviously, there's been some developments with a with an outbreak in in the country since. But but certainly, there there another key theme for airlines is this thing where you, if you've got a a strong domestic market, you've certainly got more places to to be assigning your your aircraft um, and 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 seeing um, you know demand that is a bit more predictable because at least you're not relying on on more than one government to, um, to that, that, that could possibly impose restrictions on on your ability to fly or the willingness of people to fly. So, so you know those themes are still playing out, but yeah, we're pushing back really when the the, the recovery um, might happen. So after the break, we'll look at one or two other factors and which might have quite an impact on how quickly traffic will return in the uh, rest of the year. Make sure you don't miss any episodes of the Airline Business Podcast by subscribing via your app of choice. Well, one of the areas where action has been taken and had a significant effect for airlines was the relaxation around slot rules, which basically enabled airlines to suspend their, their services without any uh, fear of losing uh, the rights to operate those. And that, those, those were you know that's been significant in terms of stopping what kind of term ghost flights where you, you'd have airlines forced to operate a, a route with you know with no passengers and no prospect of revenue just to retain the slot how regulators choose to continue that policy is going to have quite quite an effect over the, over the next period isn't it it is so so essentially i think globally there are what i are to call slot constrained airports where obviously there is very high demand for for travel into the airport and in many cases that that will be obviously most evident at the peak times when you want to get a good slot so that you can fly onward services or get the aircraft back to your your base at a reasonable time um there are around 200 of those airports globally but 100 of them around 100 are in uh, are under the european commission's um uh, jurisdiction when it comes to um slot regulations um and and at the moment the European Commission has not um, said that there will be a waiver on slots during the, the coming winter season, and it, it's um, it's a big issue for the the sector. I think um, 
And there were very strong arguments on, on both sides. So from an airline point of view, I guess if you've worked for years to um, to and spent money, I guess, securing um, slots. And we're not just talking about, you know, the big hub carriers. So if you look at Heathrow and British Airways, obviously, there's a dominant player there. But, you know, smaller carriers flying in, not smaller carriers, but carriers who only have limited frequencies into Europe, you know, maybe from Asia, for example, will have worked hard to get to get the right slot. And they may know, looking at the coming winter season, that they could only serve Heathrow realistically or economically, you know, three times a week when they currently have, you know, a daily slot, for example. So from their point of view, they, they would say, well, this is a kind of force majeure situation. We, we, um, it's not really fair that, you know, we have, we're either forced to fly 80% of those slots or, or lose them um, um, completely. So there's, there's kind of, a, a, you know, that, that, that side of the argument that um, this, this could be unfair for the carriers. On the other side, of course, is we're going through a massive upheaval in, in the global airline industry. And, and the, when you put these waivers in place, it kind of cements a status quo that, um, that you know, if we have a winter waiver, that essentially means that um, carriers are guaranteed those slots for the 2021-22 um, winter season. So there is an argument and airports, um, some airports will, will put this forward, that, that actually it may be better to, to allow some of this upheaval to happen naturally and that for that to bring opportunities for for either other carriers or even new new operators to to break into the market so there's no you know right or wrong answer here but it but it is a really key thing that's playing out at the moment in the in the particularly in the european market as i say and it will have quite an impact on um and you see different different airlines jockeying for for position and putting putting their view so you have someone like Wizz Air, which has been very um, proactive and aggressive in in stepping uh, stepping up resources, uh, resources rates mm-hmm. and capacity, probably the most aggressive in Europe. I'd, I'd suggest starting various new bases, which the 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 latest one they announced was at London Gatwick, very sought after, sought after airport. And of course, they they would be pressing the case, saying that um, they're ready to fill the um, to, to fill the gap. I guess. That's the thing, yeah. Yeah, Wiz, as you say, is a great example. Um, you know, it, it's yeah, it's just um, announced the Gatwick base. So yeah, it, it's kind of um, it's an example of a carrier that that where you know it's clearly not in its interest that that in many what are many cases the traditional network carriers are are able to hold on to to slots at um, at, at good times at busy and uh, what were or are likely to be busy airports. Um, um, with no guarantee, really, with so much uncertainty in the industry, um, it is obviously a big call to say that you you can keep hold of those those slots and 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 yeah, um, other um, jurisdictions have already announced that there will be a winter waiver. So in Asia, I think many of them have. I think Brazil's ANAC has um, agreed to one. So that they are happening in the key markets, and it wouldn't be a surprise to see the European Commission follow suit. I think there's a general theme. We're seeing, I think, when you look at um, the European market, where obviously a lot of the traditional carriers have required um, government bailouts or government help to get them through this period, and there may be a sense that I guess government's the last thing after you know ploughing money into a carrier to keep them going. That clearly governments would probably 
see it in, in their interest to, for the for some of those key assets held by those carriers not to be kind of lost or thrown back into the pot for for some upstart carrier to take for example when there's a lot at stake um financially as well so so yeah i think the the ec decision which you know iata have said they needed really in august because um we're coming up to the point where carriers will traditionally hand back slots that they they won't be using so they want to be able to do that knowing you know either that they do have the waiver in place or you know that in doing so they they will have lost them um, completely because that's obviously a key strategic decision for many carriers um, so it, it was something really to keep a close eye on because um, if that waiver doesn't happen I think we'll see um, you know the, the, as you say it can play out in many ways we may see more carriers unfortunately having to fly ghost flights but you'd hope in particularly in the era where we're worried more about environmental issues you really don't want to see that that happening beyond the fact that it clearly for airlines that are already struggling very you know, operating flights with no revenue is um is you know uh, is insanity in many ways. But um, but those slots, you know, a slot at Heathrow, for example, is is millions and millions of pounds. So it's not a decision anyone's going to make lightly to to just throw them away. Clearly, so I mean, so those those slot decisions or the slot uh, rules around it are going to be a, a major factor. But I think we're already seeing. Uh, network decisions being take, taken, which is starting to show, uh, you know, a, a consolidation around particular, which is what you kind of anticipate mm-hmm. as, uh, as the network cuts are are coming. London's quite a clear example where you have, um, you know, many airports serving serving the city, and it's not, um, you know, and we saw um, EasyJet as part of its cuts. It's it's decided to close its bases at. Um, uh, Stansted and, and South End, and focus at um, at Luton and um, at Gatwick, um, and I think you know the this the slot decisions will play into that. But you know, regardless of that, we are going to start to see opportunities uh, come up, and sort of you know, air, air, airlines are to some extent going to have to decide which which markets they they stay in. Very much so. Yeah. So these. Um you know, talking to if you talk to airports, the, the, one of the big concerns is around those those smaller facilities and how they're going to suffer during this 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 period. And you know, no, nothing's changed in the sense that airlines want slots at the um, at the often the, the busiest airports, the the ones with the the best transport links, whatever, and and where there are better onward connections, for example. Um, so yeah, there's there's, there's 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 the smaller facilities. Um, maybe um, as shown by the EasyJet example, you know, are likely to to suffer. Um, but but at the same time, yeah, the the, the opportunities uh, um, may be opened up by that. So um, so yeah, that again, that that's the play. I think when you think about um, looking at the market now and thinking about you know either entering it or attempting a very aggressive expansion, um, you know, the, you can see the conditions for it, but at the same time. Um, in the zero gravity world, maybe, but at the same time, the realities of the uncertainties around the progression of the virus and the financial situation are obviously going to weigh on those decisions. So as much as we may see opportunities opening up, it's going to take a very brave business to to take, you know, dive into that. And obviously, Wiz are an example, as you said, that, that um, are seeing this as an opportunity, but they are um, very much the exception rather than the rule. Um, and I think a, 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 what and a theme, as I just touched on, that is 
kind of maybe emerging is that um, in many cases these um, the industry is kind of retrenching more towards the the bigger airports and the the network carriers having had those government bailouts uh, are probably positioned to kind of survive the crisis in in one shape or the other and it is it's getting harder to be around the edges of that in in some cases if particularly if you went into this crisis without without the cash the liquidity to to, to see you through several months with even no or or massively reduced revenue so so I, I think it's a theme we're going to be keeping a close eye on, but it's, it's a difficult one to map at the moment, whether that, you know, whether the opportunities are, are really, um, as much as they appear to be there, whether they are realistic, I guess, is the, the question that will be answered um, going, going into 2021. And you potentially have, you know, something similar playing out in, in the US where the CARES package, uh, the, the big support uh, program, which is, um, helped U.S. carriers through this crisis, but of course that um, uh, that runs out. I think at the end of um, September, I think it is. Some and some of the restrictions that were attached to that, that were tied to that, will we'll go with it. Uh, and and including in that was with, with levels of minimum service in terms of connectivity to smaller airports, smaller points in the in in the US now it's not clear yet there have been reports around uh, that American Airlines might be looking at, at already at cutting back um, some of those those points into regional um, regional airports those sorts of decisions will will again have a major network impact I guess for the for that market they will yes yeah. so it's kind of a as I say it's an emerging theme really where you're seeing this um, the, the 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 smaller airports again as you touched on the US you know the what what uh, going back to the results season? Obviously, as we touched on, the the, the there is an extent to which, um, as, as bleak as the second quarter was, there were there was a level of government help in that, and and I think as we go towards the end of the year, that that will start to fall away. And the U.S. As you say the U.S. Cares Act is um, is a really good example of that, where you know there are reports of uh, of um, the US carriers flying routes because they are mandated to under the the, the government assistance they've received um, but they're flying them with incredibly low load factors and as much as fuel is uh, fuel costs are pretty low at the moment which which helps you um, maybe uh, justify those services maybe in, in the name of accepting the wider advantages of the act i think once that act um, is no longer, um, you know, available to help. Um, we are likely to see, um, as you say, uh, uh, carriers cutting some of those routes because, you know, we touched on before, the, the US carriers are talking about in the tens in percentage terms in terms of making, being smaller going into 2021. So cutting, you know, 20, whatever, 30% of staff, um, you know, fleets being grounded for, for longer um, so, you know, naturally, I think we're likely to see um, see some of those smaller airports where, you know, the routes aren't, you know, aren't particularly lucrative at the best of times, but they will go. Um, and that, that the impact we may see there um, could be, um, obviously, in the US market, a lot of those those routes will be served by by regional carriers that fly under the um, the the uh, liveries of the, the majors, for example, that that could be a particular challenge for them um so so it's another factor really playing into looking ahead to the winter season in northern hemisphere the 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 challenges that are ahead really when you know 
we know is you know at the best of times a lot of airlines will take it on the chin that they'll get a, they'll report an operating loss during during some of the slower periods of the year but that is so much more significant now going into the the, the coming winter season that I think there's um, there's a lot to play out still I think plenty to play out so we'll keep our eyes on that coming forward that's all for this time you can find links to the stories we referenced including detailed analysis of the airline losses across the second quarter in the podcast notes and you can keep up to date with all the latest on how airlines are dealing with the crisis at flightglobal.com if you've enjoyed the podcast please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you again next time